0: Welcome everybody to Pod Strickland episode 148. I am the one true host, Prez, aka at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Your ears are not deceiving you. I'm hosting today. Schwinn isn't here. Where is he? You have to keep listening to find out. Turns out our Patreon is so successful That one of our top tier Patreon subscribers voted Schwinn off the island and off the podcast, which is one of the little known benefits of our top tier. Yes, that's right. We have Patreon with tiers galore with all types of benefits ranging from access to exclusive podcasts like this one. Schwinn's solo ranting podcasts. Uh, You can come on podcasts and be a host on certain tiers. You get access to... Writing to articles by the two GOAT Knicks writers, Jack Huntley and Matt Miranda, in my humble opinion, and lots more. There's different tiers $3, $6, $20, $50, $100. We welcome it all. All of your support is really appreciated as the Strickland continues our journey uh, to dominating the Knicks universe. Um, But if you don't want to subscribe to our Patreon, that's totally okay too. We're just happy you're here. And you're checking out our website and our Twitter and our various contributors' social media accounts. It's all love. So whatever you can do, we really appreciate it. If you're just here to have a good time, totally cool too. And on that note, we can move on to the business of this very special uh, timely podcast edition, timely podcast guest. We're joined by the one and only Mark Schindler of Indie Cornrows. Who has got to be creeping up on the list of uh most frequent Pod Strickland guests, I feel like. I don't I don't have the track. You know, we're over a hundred deep, so it, you know, who really knows? But it's gotta be up there. Uh Mark, how's it going? Uh I'm I'm really good, man. I, I'm just
1: I feel like I must be doing something right if I keep getting invited back. So I appreciate you having me on. Uh as far as timely, Jesus Christ. Yeah. This uh <laughs> I'm so done with this team. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll get into it. I've, I know you're probably feeling the exact same way about the Knicks. If anything from the Strickland Twitter accounts uh, says anything about current Knicks feelings. Uh, but yeah, it has been a, it has been a two days. Feels like a week. It's Been two days in Indiana, for sure.
0: Yeah, it's been really weird times for the Knicks for a number of reasons on and off the court. But it's a different genre of weird entirely from what's happening with the Pacers. Um, yeah. We're recording this. Thursday evening. Uh it was today, right? Where when these remarks dropped from Miles, the the interview or whatever with yeah, the athletic and, Uh it all kind of blurs together the period of um I guess the initial rumors of uh or not rumors, but the report, uh discussing the Pacers' openness to trading some of their top players like Miles Turner, Dematis Sabonis and Karis Levert. And then, of course, the Knicks got waxed by the Pacers, ironically. And then uh, within 20 hours of that came a report where Miles was, I guess, disappointed in the role he's had uh, in Indiana over the course of his young career and is looking to spread his wings and fly somewhere else, um, which was then followed by comments that he uh, what was it? wants to win in Indiana or something like that. So um, tur- turbulent times in uh in india i don't know the like i know new york's the empire state i don't know what 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 it says on the coins for indiana um whatever state there the corn see i was gonna say the corn Um, state the hoosier state i'm sure it's probably the hoosier state no it's the hoosier state if you would have said it with conviction i would have believed the cornfield state and then corn corn twitter (laughs) indiana twitter would have been mad at me (laughs) also known as corn twitter um but yeah so i guess before we get to the trade stuff we could just talk about the game because I know it's fucking tiring dealing with a thousand configurations of trade proposals. And uh, on the Knicks side, you know, you can only talk about effort and all that shit so much. Yeah. So I'd much rather talk about the actual basketball that occurred yesterday, mm. yeah. um, which, you know, it wasn't a great game for the Knicks. Um, it was not as close as the score indicated. Um the Knicks were coming off of a uh, a nice win. This game was the second game of a back-to-back. They landed at 4 a.m. Evan Fournier may or may not have mud, butt, have had mud butt from a steak that he ate, which he said <laughs> he doesn't regret because it was very good, which, you know, I, I empathize with that, strangely enough. We've all been there. Uh, he's just been there at nicer restaurants than I have, so, you know, I, I can... I can imagine I can imagine um nice Indiana steak somewhere or New York steak somewhere just doesn't sit well and causes you to not get rid of the ball in timely fashion, turn over and miss easy three pointers I guess I don't know, but um yeah it was it it started off rough for the knicks um Fournier was getting cooked by New York's own uh Dominican prince Chris Duarte, and I think he started off five of five um yeah. And it was just notable that he was just giving Fournier all kinds of work and getting pretty physical with him. And uh, Fournier just really wasn't up to the task. And uh, before before you knew it, the Knicks were down in a hole of 10 points um, about three quarters of the way through the first quarter. And, uh, you know, the Knicks were, were able to keep, like, fake within striking distance thanks to getting a shit ton of free throws, which is not something – uh, the Knicks have excelled at, you know, they had a little help from the refs for sure. Um, RJ got to the line. Um, you know, he, he, RJ had a nice follow-up game to the previous game where he had 32 and seven threes. Um, I think he ended up in this game with 19 or something like that. Um, hit some more threes. So it it, it wasn't all bad, but uh, the defense, the defense was rough. I think, what was it? 70 points to the Pacers in the first half?
1: Yeah, I think they had 70 at the half. Uh, yeah, and it was just it was gross, man.
0: Yeah, like this is a team that literally quite literally was waving the white flag and uh they were getting whatever they wanted. I mean, it I, I was interested uh, to hear your take cuz um checking on our uh other Indiana Pacers co-conspirator friend of the pod Caitlin Cooper's Twitter account the day after she did point out some things that, you know, the Pacers were doing a little bit differently. Rick Carlisle, I guess, trying to uh, have the Pacers play a bit more randomly, in her words, um, probably a little bit less prescriptively. And, um, you know, honestly, it was a lot of basic stuff. The Knicks team defense was was really a mess. It wasn't just like... I mean, it was also like guys getting cooked like Fournier, but it was also just like Mitch uh, didn't know. Like, he, he was he was... He did not resemble Mitch of the day before, who was, you know, light on his feet, astute, reading the offense, dictating the offense um, while being a defensive anchor. Instead, he was on his heels, if we were lucky, in no man's land. If we weren't, um, we've seen Miles Turner give the Knicks problems earlier this year when he hit them with the 40-piece in the biscuit. And this time around, it wasn't just Miles, it was everybody it feels like all of the Pacer starters scored like 25. Um, it was, it was just poor team communication, poor, uh, I don't, I mean, poor effort too, definitely on some, but like, it, it was like they were playing together for the first time. It was very weird. Um, not a fan. Nick's Twitter was in shambles by halftime. Uh, the, the, the adrenaline high from the prior game was very short lived. Um, what did you notice about uh, either you know the Pacers' offense or Miles or, or the Knicks' defense? Anything jumped out in that in that first half in particular when they just set the tone?
1: Yeah, so um, a lot to break down. Um, like like you mentioned, what Caitlin said on Twitter, it felt like they were playing more random. After seeing stuff that came out from from Miles this morning, or not from Miles, but from the Jared Weiss's piece in the Athletic. Um, like they had specifically had a conversation with him in the front office and Rick Carlisle. I I don't know if the front office, I think the front office was involved, but there was a conversation about his role in Indiana. Um, and it felt like going back through this morning that they really emphasized him early and often. Um, like they said, he, he took a shot coming out of the off an exit screen. Um, you know, I think first play of the game was just there were a lot of looks for him that I thought, you know, initially looked more like randomness, and now going back to like, oh, this looks very deliberate. Um, but ultimately it did feel like they played a lot more free flowing yesterday. As far as the Knicks, though, I actually have a lot of thoughts on the Knicks, because I've I've probably seen like I mean obviously I haven't seen every game. But I think I've seen at least eleven or twelve games of them this year. And um I as much as it hasn't necessarily made the difference, I really have like moving Alec Burks to the starting lineup. Um he seems to kind of have been the only uh, real consistent player right now, uh, which is not saying a lot. Um, like, it was nice to see RJ pop off yesterday, uh, but then they weren't really able to get him going the rest of the half. Um, Julius was kind of all over the place. Uh, Mitch was just – Jesus Christ. I think that's the worst game I've ever seen Mitchell Robinson play, um, at least since his rookie year. But – and I don't know. I think I just keep coming away more and more watching the Knicks, saying play Obi Toppin more. Um, like not to be unfair to Taj Gibson, I don't understand Tibbs's aversion to wanting to play Obi at the five. Like I or Obi even Obi or or, or Julius. Like um, I think there has to be some kind of leeway there. And I'm, I'm I mean obviously you you and Schwinn and anybody else who watches every game knows better than me, but. I mean, uh, patience
0: to the choir here.
1: <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, how can you watch OB yesterday and say, yeah, you should only play 19 minutes per game? Like, he, was, he wasn't the best, Nick, but in terms of the kind of looks that they were getting with him out there, I mean, he was so good. Um, the Pacers had no kind of answer for his athleticism and the way that he rolls and pops. Like, I just – they need to get more opportunities for him because he is way better than – uh, the 19 minutes per game right now, or at least the, the team needs him to be playing 19 minutes, more than 19 minutes per game, especially with how Mitch is playing. Like, I think you can make the case earlier in the year okay, Mitch is playing like well enough. He's the starter. I still, like, I've been really disappointed with Mitch this year overall, but um, I just have no idea what the answer is for this next team. It's been really frustrating to watch them play, which I, again, I'm just preaching to the fucking choir
0: glad it's not just us and i'm not going stir crazy here the stuff with Obi, it's it's probably the most discussed thing on nick's twitter and even among like mainstream nick fans who aren't on social media like that like it's just so obvious when he comes in you know he's not perfect but the energy he brings and the ease with which he scores is so evident and now like the last couple weeks even though the knicks have been struggling Tibbs has been more content to uh mix and match instead of doing like line switches from the bench to the starter. So we've seen Obi more with Julius. We've seen Obi more with, you know, with RJ, right? RJ is playing with the bench. So like we've seen, it's not just like a magic spell that can only be unlocked with quickly and Derek Rose. It's, this is just how he is as a player. Like he runs hard, he competes, um, he processes the game probably faster than all the other Knicks, which is something I want to circle back to because it's, I think, the the least discussed aspect of this uh, minor train wreck of a Knicks season. Um, but yeah, I agree. And even just looking at the 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 minutes, like you're right, the 17 minutes to Taj. Like, I I understand Tibbs' goal dictates. You know, rim protection and rebounding. We're good at rim protection. We're already bad at rebounding. So to him, he's probably like, Oh, I don't want to turn this team from a D C level rebounding team to an F rebounding level team with uh, you know, Julius and Obi. But mm-hmm. Mitch is our only guy who is a plus rebounding impact guy in theory. In reality, he hasn't even really been that this year. Um, but he was outstanding at that last year when he was healthy, uh, approximately forty pounds ago. And yes. uh it's it's the point where like that that dog hunts a lot better when your team is in the top five defensively. If your team is already not gonna be great at defense then at that point, you know, like Tibbs has said so many times, you have to play to the strengths of the roster you have and you know, 19 minutes for Obi, believe it or not, is more than he had normally gets. So maybe, yeah. in a weird way, yesterday was a good sign. I know there was about four minutes of garbage time. I didn't watch the garbage time, full of disclosure. So I don't even oh, know if dude, Obi I was on I the floor that. for that. Right. That. Like, no. I did go back and check my son, Deuce McBride's field goal attempts and assists from the four minutes. Because, uh, spoiler alert for all you listeners, I'm going to do some more voiceover content for his two games versus the uh what is it the, the college park skyhawks yeah Sh- i think that's what they are sharif's team sharif cooper's team uh they faced off twice and it was a lot of fun so gonna drop that before a special episode of jaff strickland i have coming out soon so uh there's your uh little bonus content um but yeah no uh we need to play the guys we got and like you don't. That doesn't mean you have to play Mitch less. Mitch is in a rut right now, but for reasons both Knicks related and trade related, which you know we can get into later, like they kind of have to play Mitch to let him get into shape. They brought him off the bench versus the Spurs, um, which led to him being energized and coming out with enthusiasm. The Spurs are a lot easier to come out with enthusiasm against because they don't uh they don't force you to think as much as a center compared to, you know, Sabonis and Turner. Flaws that they might have. Um, you know, Podal is pretty much your traditional center. He's not really putting up threes, he's hitting the glass and putting up floaters. I guess that makes him not traditional, but um you know, compared to Miles Turner and Sabonis, he's definitely an easier cover. So, uh, he has to play himself back into shape coming off the bench, which is cool. Daniel Gafford plan works for him, right? So, like, <laughs> I love Daniel Gafford, one of my sons. Um, so hopefully, you know, if, if it's a uh, two steps forward, one steps back, two steps forward, one step back thing, at, at this point, I'll take it because, um, Hey man, however many steps you can get him because he, he right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I already did my Mitch man on the last pod, but the the where I'm at is basically like he is definitely processing the game better than he did as a rookie, but like it's a lot harder now with his new body because mm-hmm. his margin for error is so much smaller. He literally was a like one hundredth percentile athlete at the center position before, and now he's probably like Fiftieth, I didn't even tweet it out because it was disrespectful. But he had two, he had two attempted dunks versus the Spurs. One was a missed dunk, um, and another was a putback that he got very excited for, rightfully so because it was a big putback. But like his head was it was like at the bottom of the net, and like like Frank Milikina, except for he's seven feet tall, and it's just like. It's, he can still put it, throw it down because his arms are like 10,000 feet long. But, like, the vertical, both vertically, laterally, up and like north, south, it, it's the athleticism is so diminished. It's not just the conditioning. That's the thing that gets me. Yeah. Like, he can get in shape to stay on the court longer, but he can't erase his own mistakes, which was one of the things that made Mitch, Mitch. And I was his biggest fan because to me, like, you can count the the true seven-footers with that kind of mobility uh, on one hand. It was like him, DeAndre Ayton, and, and I don't even know who else. Giannis, I guess, like Kevin Durant. Like, it, There's not many of them, but now he's just like your generic 270-pound center. Like, it, And honestly, I had this thought go through my head. I was like, wow, I appreciate how quick Andre Drummond is for a 280-pound guy. That happened during the pace of the game. <laughs> I was like, man, like for large for large dudes and and Jokic too, because Jokic lost weight, but he's still like, I don't know what he's clocking in at these days, but he's got to be above two fifty, right? Oh, definitely. He's probably like two seventy. Yeah, I, I feel like it has got to be on there because his quickness is like actually very good for someone that big. Like, yeah, um it's it's and Mitch Mitch is he's just clearly not used to having this kind of weight, and you know yeah like you had a foot injury you're you're off your feet so i i see the appeal in in gaining some muscle and gaining some weight like you want to be able to battle the behemoths you want to be able to throw your weight around on offense a little more you want to bulletproof your body a little bit and there's something to be said for all of that but there's also a reason guys like tim duncan amari stoutermeyer dirk all these tall guys through the ages Kept their cruising altitude weight around like 240, 250 for the most part. Because it's any more than that. And you're really playing with fire. And he doesn't have the the know-how of someone like Taj Gibson to really make up for it with elite positioning. So he just gets exposed, especially versus stretch bigs. And it's just brutal to see. Like The best you hope out of him now is a solid game for a large center, which is like a bunch of rebounds. You know, he shot like three for three or four or four and made some free throws on top of that, you know, blocked some shots, deterred some others. And that's a good day's work. Like that's it. You're not talking about old Mitch, which is like, Oh, he also switched onto the perimeter, blocked two, three pointers, you know, dribbled from half court to the hoop in two bounces and dunked from the free throw line or whatever. So it's just, It's really fucking sad. And there's definitely a place in the league for him, even as a good large center, because he's not bad, even though he was bad against the Pacers. He's just, the upside is just kind of vanished. So that's where I'm at at, on Mitch. And, you know, with only more and more stretch guys and passing hub guys who are big coming into the league, it's going to be tough for him. So I don't know. I don't know where his trade value is at, right? Like he's, if they don't, whoever trades for him, Or the Knicks, if they keep him, like, they can extend him because he's a second-round pick. But if not, he's an unrestricted free agent. So it's not like whoever has him gets his bird rights or anything like that. So I don't really know where his value is. I just hope he can get it up slightly over the next couple weeks, and I'll be a happy camper. Just give me some solid, regular, boring big man games. That's all I ask. That's all I ask.